in our message today, we're going to look at one passage of Scripture. And the passage of Scripture is in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible with you and you want to turn to it, Galatians chapter 6, you basically be able to stay there the whole time. Now some of this chapter we will highlight more than others, but we'll run through all of these verses, um, 1 through 16. And we're going to break it up in different sections as Paul's writing to, those, uh, to, to the Galatians. This is a Pauline epistle, and as you remember, an epistle is a letter. An epistle is a letter. So if you would join with me as we would prepare, the, as we would read this, and we're reading from the New King James Version, you can follow along in whatever version you might have. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all the good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Verse 11, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they might not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but the desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now, from now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, your spirit. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So let's work... First, at verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, ye who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. If a man is overtaken. The word behind that seems to, if I'm understanding it correctly, be entered. Introducing or, or, or presenting the concept of a somewhat of a surprise. 
there's any of you that's overtaken in a trespass. They're going along and they were tempted and they sinned. It's not that there's something that they've been doing it continually. They've, they've tripped up. You know, they've disobeyed God. They've been overtaken in this sin. It's not, you know, it's not like they've been out there and, and, and doing this for months and months. They've, they've sinned. Something come on and it was a temptation and they grabbed hold of it. And it says, those of you who are spiritual. Remember we just recently defined what spiritual is? We talked about the natural man, the unsaved. We talked about the carnal or babes in Christ. Sins are forgiven, but they have this pride of eye. They are self-serving, have those contentions. And then there's those who are spiritual, where they've surrendered their life to God. They're, they're in a place of surrender. God's in charge. We throw the, we might, they've experienced entire sanctification, all those different words that we talked about before, but it's saying you that are spiritual. So this is not for the babes in Christ, not for the babes in Christ to go and try to restore someone that's just backslidden. There's a scripture where Paul um, shares, and the concept is, related to those that are in spiritual leaderships or maybe ministers, it's the concept, not a novice, let, let, lest they be built up with pride. Not a new convert. So those that are new converts, you need to be careful about going around and trying to rescue other people because you might get pulled into the sin. And it says, be careful even to those who are spiritual, those that are Mature, those are in a place of surrender. They need to be careful that they're not caught up as well, but a novice, if they're already dealing with that personal pride, that conflict of me, 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 me. Then they go help someone that's in a challenge, and then, then for instance, it's like, well, look, look who I helped. Hey, look over here who I helped. And they might have some successes, but then they look to themselves, and that becomes their downfall becomes that an issue. And we'll talk about this, that issue kind of creeps up again, this pride. The other thing is, you know, you kind of get involved in those aspects of spiritual life and so challenges of spiritual lives. There's some things that new converts, those not, or those that are babes in Christ, you might not be a new convert, but you still are a babe in Christ. You haven't come to a place of maturity. You haven't come to a place of surrender. There's some challenges they probably shouldn't be involved in because they might become a victim themselves. Because they don't understand or there's spiritual warfare that's going on that they're not prepared for. I tend to be cautious depending on what kind of, what kind of things are going on if someone's in a spiritual warfare, if there's demonic things that are involved, I hesitate when because of status or elections or whatever, someone says, well, you're called an elder, you were elected into a position. In some churches, that means different things, but just because you're elected a deacon or elected to a, as a church leader, I hesitate to pull those type people that are young in Christ in a situation when you're 
dealing with demonic forces. It should be for the mature. And so the caution is, is, is to be careful, but it says those of you who are spiritual, you should be helping these people with grace, with, with patience, with gentleness, I guess is the word it's using here. You should be helping them. There's a song I think the Gaithers wrote, See All the Wounded. See All the Wounded. You know, it's that, that concept of, of uh, I don't know if I shared it here. Did it, maybe I'll share it again. And if, you, if you've heard it, say, yes, I've heard this before. You told us here before. But it was the concept of somebody came into a service and their cell phone went off and everybody looked at them and stared at them and, and uh, gave them a hard time. Did I tell you this story already? And I'll tell it again. If I, if I did, but they, they, they gave him a hard time in church, and so they, everybody glared at him because they didn't take care of their cell phone. And so they went out to the bar. They went out to a bar, and there they spilt their drink and broke the glass, and the people come and say, oh, he says, I feel horrible. I, I spilt my beer, or I, I uh, broke the glass and stuff, and they're like, oh, that's okay. People, people, things happen, you know, and they cleaned up after him, and they were concerned of that he cut his hand or he was injured or something they had care for him so he came he came back but sometimes as Christians the you know we talk about that with people that need Christ that we want them to come in and just because you know their cell phone goes you don't know why their cell phone went off it could be something devastating but you're not there to find out if there's a problem or whatever you're there to condemn but sometimes we as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ we can see somebody that they got caught up in something. Restore them with gentleness. We don't need to injure our own wounded. The devil's around to do that. We don't need to, we don't need to take someone that's having problems and they tripped up, they made a mistake, and just pummel them out of the church. Now, yes, there is room for church discipline and someone that's continuing in sin, and if you that are spiritual, we go and we talk to them and say, hey, you need to stop that, and they're like, I don't have to stop nothing. And then you talk to them at the church, and it keeps going. All right, there's some activity that takes place, but they feel bad. They know they did something they shouldn't. They're embarrassed. Let's restore them with gentleness. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Don't think so highly of yourself. There's a saying that's out there, but for the grace of God, go I. Now, you might not find that in the Bible, but it's the concept of be careful. Be careful you don't think too highly of yourself. But examine, verse 4. Make sure that you're okay. Check yourself out. What did Jesus say? He said, basically, get the beam, the big board out of your eye. So that you can examine the other person's eye to get the speck out. Sometimes we're so quick to criticize the other person that we're not introspective of how we're doing. We might have a complete board in our eye. Our eye's completely pot, and we're worried about their speck. That's what it's cautionous about doing, is to be careful. But verse 5 is very interesting when it says, 
Verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But verse 5 says, for each one shall bear his own load. Verse 4 helps us put it in context, but let each one examine his own work. So, before you go out telling everybody, everybody else what they should be doing, you need to make sure that you've got things together. That you're an example. Practice what you preach, so to speak. Now, sometimes when the preacher preaches, the, pre the message that comes out comes back to the preacher. But it's basically saying you need to be responsible for, you, for yourself. And then, being spiritual, you should be helping the other people. But don't let your business just be helping the other people. And that becomes a point of pride. Look at all these people help. But you've left your own condition erode. On the outside, you look great, and everybody sees all you're helping all these people, but you're eroding inside. You're, getting, you're setting yourself up for a problem. But we're responsible for our own load. And so when you get these thoughts today that I'm responsible for somebody else's sin, I'm not. I'm not responsible for the sins of my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. I'm not. I'm not responsible for people that look like me or my same, same age or background or whatever. I'm not responsible for their sins in some state, five states away from me. I'm not. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible to help others, but I'm responsible for my own load. We shift gears a little bit in verse 6. We go into section of verses 6 through 10. Let him who is taught the word... Share in all good things with him who teaches. It's basically, you need to take care of them. You know, make sure they're fed. Those kinds of things, right? That's what that's talking about. Now, in the other passage, you'll see where Paul talks about the fact that he didn't burden them down. He, he, brought, he, he, he paid for his own way. But just basically saying, treat with respect and take care of those that are teaching. In the word. Now, verse 7, we take on a new uh, look, not a new look, but we shift gears a little bit again in the same section. But do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. You're not going to get apples from a corn stalk. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. It's, when you plant corn, you don't get apples. And so, those that think they can do what they want and not what God has asked, or they plant seeds unto corruption, that's what they're going to reap. God's not mocked. You can't twist his system up, say that he's a liar, say that he's not doing things right, or it doesn't matter what God says, I'm going to take my own path. It's not going to work that way. What you show, sow, you're going to also reap. But, 
And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. When you look around, and you're toiling, and you're working, and you're toiling, and you're working, and you're toiling, and you look over, and the people next to you seem to have things better, or you start comparing to what they have. You've planted your seeds in a springtime, and then the summer dry heat comes. And then there's the wind. And then it's the hail. And then it's the thunderstorm. You're like, when is the harvest going to come? You're out there in the weeds, trying to get the weeds out, and it's hot. And then you want to get in the field, and it's muddy because there's too much rain. And then there's the thunderstorms of the summertime. But you have to keep on keeping on. Don't get weary with well-doing. Because the harvest is coming. And we look at the other people and say, I'm trying to do the right things. I'm doing what God tells me, but they seem to be doing so much better. But time will come. God is not mocked. They will reap what they are sowing. Either to destruction or to reward. But if you're faithful, don't get discouraged. Keep going through the hot sun, through the winds, through the desert, through the hail, through the thunderstorm, and through the heat. In due time, you will reap what you sow because God's not mocked. So when you look at them, God, they will get what they deserve. God will take care of that. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But you will get what you have sown. The Lord is faithful. He's not mocked. So let us do good. Let us do good. So if you're wondering, okay, I'm supposed to help those that get tripped up and have issues. They fall off into sin. I'm supposed to help those. I don't want to be built up in pride. I need to pay attention. And maybe as a young Christian, I shouldn't get into everybody else's problems. I should focus on mine and let the spiritual, the people that are surrendered, the people a little bit more mature with God, to take care of that. But if we're spiritual, we're surrendered to God, we've been around and we should be mature in Christ, we should be helping the others and not ignoring our duties. But we're all responsible for our own. And keep on going. Don't get tired when you look, and you'll get tired. You'll look around and everybody else's garden seems to be better than yours. But in due time, you will reap what you sowed because God's not mocked. But there are those out there that are trying to confuse things. They're trying to tell you what the right things are. They're trying to tell you what is virtuous. They throw words around what is moral. And we go into verses 11 through 15. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desires to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now you have to kind of relate to what's going on here. Paul's teaching that some of the people he's talking about, they are Gentiles, meaning they're not Jews. In the Old Testament, how did you become a Jew? 
or part of the promise of Abraham. What was that sign? What was the thing he had to do? The male had to be circumcised. Circumcised. And those that would proselyte or convert into Judaism would have to also be circumcised. But now Jesus Christ has come and died on the cross. For our sins, he was buried and rose again. So now we can have salvation. So our way to become part of the family of God is not to go through Judaism and to be circumcised, it's accept forgiveness and allow the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied to our hearts for the forgiveness of sins. And now we're part of the body of Christ. The circumcision, the action of circumcision, has nothing to do with salvation at this point. Nothing. But there's some that are trying to compel them to say, if you're really spiritual, just like we've talked about in the past, if you're really a Christian, you will forward my Facebook post. Well, we know that's not right. But there's some in the, in the church circles today that if you're really a Christian, you will do these things. This is what's moral. This is what's right. And things are very confusing. I was talking to some family members uh, last night, and uh, as even mentioned to my wife, but, you know, we used to say sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's what we knew as violence. Now if you say certain kinds of words, that's violence. And then at other times, silence is violence. So everything's twisted around. And some people might say something or do something, and immorality is, everything's moral, immoral, or it's virtuous or not virtuous. It's very confusing of what's going on. And so here at this time, they were confusing people with, if you really want to be and demonstrate yourself as Christian, you need to and be a follower of God. You need to be circumcised. This is the thing you needed to do. Now you can probably in your mind think of all the things that are people telling you you should be doing in all, uh, to demonstrate that you're a follower of God. But what does it say here? It says here that they would compel you to be circumcised, compel you to act a certain way, compel you to accept maybe certain behaviors, so that what? That they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Because they don't want people to say that they're not a loving church. They don't want people to say that they're not loving Christ. They don't want people to say things about them or to persecute them. And so they're going to say, you need to do these things. Because there's so much pressure on them. There's peer pressure on them to say that these things are virtuous. These things are the right things. This is how you should do these acts and those acts. And, 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 and really, if you're a Christian, then you'll allow these behaviors. This is the things you have to do. Some are doing that because they don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to tell other people tell them they're wrong. Because why? It says in verse 12, as many as desire to make a good showing, a good showing in the flesh. Not a spiritual good showing, they just want to look good to everybody else. And they don't want people to criticize them for not going along. And further, 
we'll talk about in a minute, the end of verse 13, they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. They want to say the reason we are right and you're wrong because look at all the people we have in our church. We have lots of people attending our church, so you must be wrong because you don't have as many people. Broad is the way and narrow. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. I'm paraphrasing roughly, but don't look at the numbers. So they want to tell you you're not thinking right. They want to do the message because they want people to say that they're wrong. They don't want persecuted for, for going along with that. They want to look good in the flesh. They want to look good to everybody else. They don't want to be persecuted. And then they want to boast because, look, I got all these people to convert it. See, I'm with you guys. I'm with the masses. I'm with what's popular. I'm what's popular in the churches. And then you watch on TV and it says, 80% of Protestant churches believe that it's okay to... Well, that's not how we run our lives. We don't run our lives on what's popular. Or because we're afraid of persecution, we run our lives in a surrendered place based on the Word of God. So don't be weary in well-doing. Because it says in verse 13, they're not even doing all the things they're telling you that you should be doing. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They're hypocrites in themselves. Verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. It's our salvation through the blood of Jesus, death on the cross, that makes a difference. That should be our guide. Not the popular thing. Not because we want, don't want to be unpopular. They're building up with pride and they're boasting, but it's built on hollowness. We should glory in the cross of Jesus. So may you be encouraged to keep on keeping on, following the scripture. You will reap if you don't lose heart. Just keep on going. And there's some out there that's going to tell you you're doing the wrong thing and you need, to, you need to go and do this thing. Because it's the most popular thing. They're voting with the masses. They're not following the Word of God. That's not the primary to them. It's, the Word of God's not primary. It's the religious activity. It's being accepted that's primary. But we need to be willing to sacrifice all for Jesus, even the popular aspect of it, that we are surrendered to God and trust in Him. And He will tell us if we're doing the right things. Because everybody around us might tell us we're doing wrong, and they're telling us for various reasons. But keep on, keeping on, trust the Word of God, and all the things you see are going to make you want to question. Tell you you're not doing right. But leave your faith in Jesus. Let's be standing together.
Father God, we do thank you for this, your word, and we pray to Lord that we might be ever vigilant to keep on walking with you, though none go with me, still I will follow. We don't have to follow, we should not follow the popular fleshly advice of those that claim to be religious, but it's all action. And they're not even consistent in all they're doing. They just don't want people to tell them that they're doing the wrong things. They don't want people to look down on them. They don't want people to persecute them, even in words. What would they do if they were persecuted physically? They want to build up followers to themselves or make themselves look good, and somehow the popular opinion will make them righteous. Least righteous self righteousness in human eyes. Lord, may we be true to you. May we stay close to you. And when we trip up, may though someone trips up or slides back, may the may we come alongside and be helpful. But may we be worried about our own place so that we can help others. May we not be the person that goes down into an accident scene with untied shoes and trip up and become a victim ourselves. May the young in Christ be careful not to get pulled into problems that are for the more mature. But help us, Father, to search our own hearts, to be obedient to you, to take care of our load so that we can help others. Help us to watch our pride. Help us to take our leadership from you, and may we glory in the cross of Jesus Christ and just keep on going, because in due time we will reap what we sow, because you're not mocked. Bless us, we pray. Help us to be in the center of your will, to lean forward towards you, to be encouraged in following your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.